Can you start off by telling us a little bit about who you are and then why and, and how you got into all this um, body-wise and sexuality stuff? I just call it stuff. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I um, I love the premise of this podcast, going into the backstories of of interesting things and interesting people. So I'm really honored to be on. Uh, yeah. So let's see where to begin. I uh, for a long time I've just been fascinated with the intersection of sexuality and spirituality and the ways that religion conditions people sometimes for not in not so great ways and sometimes in okay ways. Right. But, um, the ways that the, our spiritual upbringing can influence our sexual expression, um, and not just even within our own lifetimes and our direct experience, but the ways that we inherit certain belief systems and traumas from the past. And then in our, you know, current bodies, how we have a responsibility if we want to, really open ourselves up to the the pleasure and the intimacy and the connection and aliveness that our bodies are capable of, of being vessels for as humans, you know, this inner work that has to be done on a, on a spiritual level, as well as, um, you know, doing embodiment practices to really open that up and, and really, uh, experience what a human body is capable of. And so for me, it's, it's an exploration of how, going deeper into the body and deeper into your full sexual expression is actually a spiritual practice in terms of becoming most self-expressed, closest to God, um, having divine ecstatic experiences, because all the rest of it is about shutting all of it down and being controlled and um, being disembodied Mm. and uh, waiting to transcend this human experience in order to feel that sense of ecstasy, peace, and love. So it's, it's my belief that the deeper we go into the body, the higher we can go in consciousness. And that is the whole idea behind uh, body-wise. Okay. My coaching. Uh, yeah. So you, know, you hear people say, my body is my temple. So is this kind of sort of like mm. that where you, you you treat your body as a a, a, a temple and okay. yes yeah yeah and in my in my practice and in my coaching because sometimes people will will say that and what they'll mean is that they eat clean and don't drink and don't smoke and exercise a lot or something like this right like like that they're very focused on um, health because their body is a temple. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could also say that and mean my body is a temple. I'm very particular about who I have sex with or that I, you know, I refuse to have sex outside of marriage or something like that. And those are different approaches to the body being a temple than, than what I would, how I would frame it. So I would frame it more like, um, you know, my body is a temple and I, ground myself in it as a source of truth and presence as much as I can remember to (laughs) basically because our culture really makes it hard sometimes, right? To get grounded. We live in our, in our minds so much. And so yes, the body is a temple. You're, you have so much energy 
that you can experience in your body. You know, it's our, in, in my, I feel like there's so many tangents I could go on, but you know, in my coaching world, we talk a lot about uh, nervous system regulation and how so few people really learn the tools to manage their own energies Okay. and, and how sexual energy is a special flavor of energy that can be used, um, to, for self expansion. But there's also just these other like emotional regulation type of energies, right? Like how do you, um, use the breath to bring yourself down from anxiety, right? Like this is a, a widespread common thing. People know to do this, right? Like take three deep breaths and that kind of thing. Um, but the breath can also be used to increase sensitivity, um, during sexual experiences. It can be used to, um, complete trauma cycles, like stress cycles in the body, like doing specific kinds of breath work. Um, so I feel like I've forgotten what you're. No, no, that, that, that's fine because you're you're, I mean, you're talking and you're telling me this, and I'm going, yeah, breathing. She's right because why is it if it isn't? Why is it that when pregnant women women are giving birth, they tell them, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff? And I'm thinking, yeah, I know there's a couple of methods of sure right before you climax and stuff for male and all this other stuff that I had read before, um, but also like you were saying too is. Depending on how we were brought up or the religion and culture seems to play a huge role in how we view sexuality and mm-hmm. pleasure. And um, I, I look at it as uh, Kama Sutra and uh, you know, the, the Far East or Middle East, they're possibly they are or were um, more in tune with uh, sexuality. Um, as being okay to explore in certain methods other than your standard, you know, standard way of doing it or what, however you want to call it. So, um, mm-hmm. so really anything that you have that you could let us know uh, th- that it's okay to be, can I say sexually promiscuous in a way? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, yeah, I mean, and that's a whole conversation too, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> about the ways that that we that we judge and moralize the you know the the very human desire to have multiple partners. It's like whether or not you choose to do that, and or whether you go with monogamy, and we, you know, it just the impulse is there, and that's fine. Like it, it feels so threatening uh, to people, I think, um, because we worry that agreements and trust will be broken. If we admit that it within us, there's this desire or that, or even like, yeah, I'm attracted to this other person. And, and even just admitting that can feel like a betrayal and I, it just doesn't have to be, you know, but we, it's just, there's such, um, heaviness and baggage around that and the way that we associate our, our sexuality with our goodness as people, like good people are monogamous. Good people wait for this kind of partner. Good people only have this kind of sex. Good people, you know, never do that, never do this. And, um, and I just think that's such a trap too, because again, it's like, it's the behaviors and the agreements that you enter into with people in your relationships and how you 
approach them that really is more an indicator of your integrity, not you know, what your, what your brain and your body are telling you would be kind of fun and pleasurable, (laughs) like, um, you know, and, uh, and also just the ways that we, um, that, that it can, it's hard to understand how something could feel really good sexually without being an emotional threat. Mm. Um, you know, cause there's, and yeah, there's that piece of things too. Um, like being threatened by a partner using sex toys or a partner, you know, using porn or a partner, um, occasionally wondering what it would be like to be with so-and-so or, you know, and, and I've been there. I mean, let me say that like straight up, I, I get jealous, I get uncomfortable, I get insecure around all those things. Um, but the practice then for me has, has been to just get curious about that and stop judging myself for it and really, you know, ask my partner, like, what does it mean for you? Right. And when you have enough trust and that foundation of security in a relationship, I think it just makes it a lot easier to admit like, yeah, there's these other layers to my desires and sexuality. And, um, and it doesn't have to be threatening and like, we'll figure it out together, you know, but the more you give yourself permission to be honest about what is sexually fulfilling for you, and to be self-advocating in that, the more you feel comfortable allowing your partner to do that too, you know? So like you both, like, I think the, the most sexually fulfilling relationships are the ones where, uh, there is open communication about that. I mean, that seems kind of obvious, right? But, (laughs) but that you, you are both on each other's sides in terms of like, I want you to feel turned on and to be having a, a really, fun time in life with your body and sexuality and pleasure and to, um, you know, have an, have an, have an erotic life because, you know, you mentioned, the the Asian cultures, um, or traditional, you know, Asian cultures a, a bit ago and, and how they had this understanding of sexuality as more of a life force that can be cultivated and harnessed. Um, and I'm not a, a student of those traditions. Um, so I apologize if I, if I misrepresent it all, but my understanding right now is that it, it's like chi energy, right? Like life force energy, and you can use sexuality practices to help cultivate that and harness it. Um, and it took me a while to understand what that really meant from my Western perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was reading a book um, by someone who explained it in terms of like, hmm, like imagine yourself after a breakup and you're feeling so depressed and heartbroken and physically weak and you're not eating, you're not sleeping. You're just like so energetically drained. And then you get a text from whoever this person is that you're still in love with saying, I've made a terrible mistake. Let's get back together or whatever it is, right? Like some, some glimmer of hope for that relationship to revive and that you can be together again. And then all of a sudden your body is flooded with energy. Like you didn't eat anything. You didn't drink coffee. You didn't, you know what I mean? You didn't take drugs. Like nothing, nothing else happened except like, it's almost like your body pulled from you know, the, the ether, (laughs) a a source that, that source of energy like that. And that's what we're talking about. That's the, 
the, the turn on the life energy, the chi that is that fuel. And, and so the more that you are living a life where you feel like that's, um, accessible to you, the more you get to have that, that energy in your whole, in your whole life. So I, I hope that makes sense. It it does. And it, it makes me think, um, at least for me. And then I, I see these shows, they finish having sex, roll over. Oh, they're like tired. <laughs> Me, I'm thinking, hell, I'm full of energy now. I, I'm, I'm pumped. Let's go. I don't want to just lay here. So it, it's like uh, I got energy from from doing that. From making love, from having sex, it gave me energy. Yeah. I, I just took that chi, whatever we want to call. It. I took some mm-hmm. of it, and now I'm, I am full, and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to now really expend that energy. So I, I always thought it was the funny thing, though. Like I said, when they show those scenes where people after they're done, they're like dead to the world, tired, roll over, ready to go to sleep. It's like what? <laughs> I don't get that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so that's so cool that that you experience it in that way. Um cuz I think yeah, that a lot of uh a lot of people experience orgasm and climax as this big um like tension release that that exhausts them. Um and part of like sacred sexuality practices um particularly for men is about having sex and reaching states of pleasure that um, like regenerates and recycles that energy so that you're not left feeling depleted, but you're left feeling energized and more powerful and stronger and more vital. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, yeah, I just, I think that's awesome. And, and I didn't even get that from you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <This is new. laughs> so part of what you say too, and part of your practice is that, uh, you believe all bodies are made for sex, right? It's sex is not mm-hmm. a dirty thing. It's something that is natural. It's something that we were born with, something that we're given, and something that we have throughout our life, right? I, yeah. So it's uh, – Yeah. Uh, is is there anything that is a negative as far as sex goes? You know, sometimes you hear people depends on their religion as far as self, self-gratification, uh, masturbation. Mm. Is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing in your world? Where does that lie? Yeah, it's funny because I, in my in my world among the sacred sexuality coaches, we tend not to say masturbation. We tend to say self pleasure, uh, and that has to do with the roots of masturbation as a word um, having something to do with like uh, what is it, self defacing or so, like so, like self uh, doing something bad mm-hmm. to yourself. Basically, like the word itself kind of has these negative roots. Um, and so we, we use the term self-pleasure, uh, and it is highly recommended <laughs> um, because it, – and it also just depends on the way that you use it. But but just as a way of getting more pleasure into your body, um, into the world, uh, a world where there's so much suffering and tension and anxiety and fear, like generally speaking, like the more – whatever you can do to feel good, like just – you know, um, in a way that doesn't end up causing more harm, of course, but, but feeling good is a good thing. And so self-pleasure is recommended and encouraged. And to your question of, you know, is it ever, does it ever go sideways and is there ever a downside and what to watch out for around it? 
Great question. Um, so just because of your, the nervous pathways in your body, uh, what can end up happening if you self-pleasure in the same way over a long period of time, um, you can start to become dependent or reliant on a very specific kind of stimulation. And this can, be, this can include visual stimulation as well as the physical touch stimulation you're giving yourself, right? So if you um, are used to watching, uh, you know, pornography and um, a certain kind of pornography, like you find yourself needing more extreme imagery and things like that, like that can become a problem because of the, the, the associations that you may um, make between what you're seeing and the pleasure that you get. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, sex with an actual <laughs> human woman that's not a porn actress, right, is going to maybe not be as stimulating for you. And so that's just something to be aware of, you know, and it used to really bother me to think that some people would prefer, you know, pornography or like sex robots, if that ever becomes a thing. <laughs> It so will like, become, know, human, it, it is already. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's happening. Yes. Uh, it's probably already, yeah, it's probably already out there. Um, and, v, you know, virtual reality stuff, right? Like uh, all of these things are, um, can can be cool, can be great, but but they're also just things to bring intentionality and consciousness to because if you want to have a really powerful and fulfilling relationship with another human, you know, in your, uh, in your sexuality, um, then you're not going to want to desensitize yourself through these other things. Um, it's my belief that you can have, you know, a bit, a bit of it all. Mm -hmm. And if you're focusing on the human to human relationship, that's going to be like your base and your foundation that will be most fulfilling and you can, there's like, what I love about sacred sexuality too, is that there's never, you're never arrived at like, oh, we've plateaued. <laughs> like there's no more to explore. There's no additional orgasm. Like we just like, this is as good as it gets. Like, no, there's always new layers. There's always deeper experiences, more expansive experiences, uh, longer orgasms. Like it just, there's no limit. Like no one has ever found the limit to, like what human to human sexual ecstasy is. And so that, you know, I, I like to focus on that, but I also won't deny the appeal of, of these other things, you know, I'm curious. So, so for me, the advice is to, um, be very self-aware in terms of how your use of non-human stimulation is affecting your human relationships and the human sexuality piece. Um, and to try to not shame yourself if you notice that there, you know, some impact has been had because you can always shift that if you want to, you know, and I'm not here to tell people what to do with their sexuality. So if you want to just, you know, like just be, just watch porn and not engage in human to human relationships, that that's your choice. You know, if you want to just have sex with robots, okay, that's, you know, that's your choice. I'm not, not here to tell anyone what to do, but, but I just want to make sure that people know like how good the, the human flesh to flesh version can be, because I think sometimes we just 
avoid that out of fear of rejection or feeling like our bodies are broken or feeling numb or, or sexual trauma or whatever it is, right. That just makes not interacting with other humans sound appealing. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I hear you. And I am going to admit this right now. This is terrible because I know that you are a vocalist and every time you say something and something pops into my head, that associates with what you're saying to a song. So, you know, <laughs> Flesh for Fantasy was just the latest one. And then right before that is the Divinals, <laughs> yeah. I Touch Myself. But mm-hmm. all of those things are we see these videos, we hear these songs, and it's, it is like a taboo. And they're all being presented almost as a taboo that we, we have to watch or listen to it this behind closed doors and not be accepting of it. So... I also like what you said as far as there is no substitute for human to human, flesh to flesh contact. There isn't, whether it be, um, well, whether it be yourself or a, mm-hmm. a robot someday, but um, your part when you're saying that we, we become desensitized if a person was to please themselves or if they're watching pornography of a certain type. They become desensitized and they are not aroused or they don't allow themselves to be aroused. Then I don't know if this is the right way of saying it, but the natural way of being aroused. Now they're dependent upon a certain uh, a certain move and then they're so fixed on that. And now they're with that woman or they're with that man and they're not getting it. And then that frustration mm-hmm. rolls in and then all hell goes breaks loose and then nobody's having any fun. So uh, as far as sacred sexuality, your, your methods and your courses and things like that. Well, you do have courses, right? You, you teach this. So yes, where can listeners and watch viewers actually go and reach out to you to say, Hey, whether I'm having problems or I want to open the door and understand what it is, what is it that I'm missing? What can you tell me that I, need to open up to. So where can they find you? Yeah, the best place is uh, my website because that has all of the links and information about who I am, what I do, and the different services I offer. So that is uh, michelle-martinez.net. So not .com. Couldn't couldn't get that domain. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of Michelle Martinez's out there. So michelle-martinez.net. Um, is my website. And I'm also on Instagram at the Michelle Martinez snagged that one. Um, and those are the two main platforms. I, I have a group for women on Facebook also called the body wise collective. Um, if anyone wants to check that out. Um, and if you go to the website, uh, Michelle martinez.net backslash courses, you can see, uh, the different course offerings in my online school, which is called the body wise Academy. Okay. Uh, your website kind of, kind of sort of eludes, um, more towards women. Uh, mm-hmm. but this can be for men and women, correct? Yeah, definitely. So the, I have a, a course, um, I plan to add more courses that are geared to, to both men and women. So, the ones that are up there now are um, body confidence mastery, which applies to both men and women. Um, I'm, I'm a strong advocate that you know body image, it's a 
it does tend to be an issue for a lot of women, but it's, it's also something that men struggle with. And I think that they can't, they don't feel as free to even talk about because they're not supposed to <laughs> like, you know, feel not supposed to vocalize any insecurities. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's more, it's that like masculine, um, strength thing. And I could, I don't want to misspeak, you know, for, for men, I'm not the, the voice of, of that group, but, <laughs> um, it does seem to me that, that men get backlash if they, uh, hint at insecurities like that. And, um, or they may feel that it makes them less attractive, et cetera. Right. Where I feel like women are pretty vocal these days about being able mm -hmm. to talk about that. So anyway, body confidence mastery is one of the courses, um, neotantric massage. So that's, um, I hope it's okay to pussy massage, penis massage, um, in Sanskrit. That's, uh, yoni is the word for vulva vagina and lingam is the word for penis. And so I use them a bit interchangeably, okay. um, that language in the course, but it's, uh, a way of, um, yeah, massaging and relaxing your partner's genitals to help with sexual healing and give them an opportunity to receive pleasure and focus solely on receiving pleasure and relaxation with no pressure to perform, to have an erection, to orgasm, to, you know, none of that. So it's very, it's different than a hand job or fingering, mm -hmm. you know, in that sense that, that there's, the goal is not orgasm right. it that often happens um but but it's a much slower longer process meant to to really just be focused on presence with sensation and allowing the energy to open up um in the way in in the pace that it that it can most naturally so that's the neotantric massage and then there's another course called sexy safe and seen um which is about feeling uh learning to cultivate a sense of safety around being sexual and being your full sexual self and allowing other people to see you in a sexual way. Um, because, and this applies perhaps more to women than to men, but, um, it can be challenging because I, I saw a tweet recently that articulated it really well, where they said, uh, a lot of women feel that they have to be attractive to be loved and belong, but invisible to be safe. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Right. It, it oddly, eerily, if, is it, I don't know if this is a word, scarily, <laughs> frighteningly it makes sense. So. Yeah, right. It, yeah, it does. And I, and I think it's a, it's a double bind that we understand subconsciously, but, but people don't really talk about it in those terms very much. And, and so, you know, there's this deep desire to be seen and to be, uh, you know, to be attractive, to find your person and to have, you know, that attention that feels good. But at the same time, there's always this like danger around it because of the way that people accuse, you know, women of asking for it or drawing too much attention for themselves. Like, you, or even like just being slutty for like wearing something that looks good on them. You know, it's, it's a, I don't know. There's, there's a, there's a dynamic there where being fully sexual feels dangerous. And so that's, that's a reality, but the course will show you how to 
bring a sense of safety into your own body in the instances that you want to be able to do that intentionally. So you can choose more, more consciously, you know, is this a situation that I really am not safe in? Or is it a situation where I'm safe, but I just, my body doesn't feel that way. So I want to, I want to cultivate that and bring that sense of safety in so I can be, uh, you know, my sexy self. Like for example, um, you know, as a performer, <laughs> um, I've, I've worked a long time on my stage presence and trying to be more sensual and sexy on stage. And this is a, this is a, an obstacle that I've had to overcome because in a way, you know, I, I want to be that person that's magnetic and, um, really sexy and fully expressed, you know, on stage. And at the same time, I, I just worry about, um, what people might say or drawing, uh, attention that I don't want or, you know, what it opens up for other people, you know, comments they could make or, you know, whatever it is. And, um, and at the end of the day, I decide it's worth it to mm -hmm. me to, to bring my full self to the stage, you know? And so then I choose to do that. I learn to do that. Um, and then I deal with whatever comments, you know, but that's the whole point is just learning to be, um, conscious of it and to decide for yourself when, when you're going to do that and when you're not, so that you're not just reflexively hiding all the time. Well, and I think the bottom line is on that, it, it's not you, me, it's not the doer's, um, fault. It, it's the people mm -hmm. who are making comments and saying the negative things bottom. First of all, they don't have any right to judge and say that, you know, that, it's reminds me of every single woman that may have, well, I, I can't say every single woman, but I'm just going to say every single woman that goes out and, <laughs> and has a breast job and people, why mm. did you do that? Because it makes me feel better. Well, you should just feel better the way you are. Well, no, this is, I want to express and my body is, this helps me give that confidence. Well, you're going to attract unwanted attention. Well, like, so that may be the outcome, but that's not the outcome that nine times out of 10, those women, that's not what they're looking for. I, I think what it comes really right down to, it's what they're saying is it's for me, you know? Mm -hmm. So the, the, the 10%, I don't know. You probably, you might be doing it for somebody else or there might be other reasons, you know, I'm going to keep this guy because I need, I, I want to do this, but um, it is a shame where, People um, look at, again, mainly women that way when women want to express themselves. And I like that word. You, you teach them how to express um, and to be seen and to be safe. So, yeah. I'm glad I'm not a woman. <laughs> it's not easy a lot of the time, but it is pretty, you know, it's pretty great. And I, and I, I feel very lucky to be a woman in this day and age where, I mean, and again, I'm probably in a, I'm in a bubble probably <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the, the level of, uh, like pussy power and, you know, uh, sacred sexuality, just goddesses everywhere, um, in my world. And so it feels, feels very like witches are rising and, um, everything is about feminine power and the divine goddess and all that. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's a, just a lot of, mental calculation that happens on a daily basis, mm -hmm. right. And of like, can I do this? Is it worth it? Do I want to invite that and, you know, deal with that kind of thing? Like even in a workplace where, um, 
a, a coworker makes a comment or says something and it's like, oh God, do I even want to like <laughs> correct them about how, how that was really inappropriate or that makes me uncomfortable? Is it, is it worth getting into that? Um, you know, and then will they treat me differently? Will, will they make a joke later on about how I'm a tattletale or, we, you know, whatever. And so there's this constant, yeah, calculating of, of the, what's worth the fight basically and what's not. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, that part's not fun. No, I don't see how it could be. And you're right. It, it's, it's, there's a lot of calculated decisions that a woman has to make. Mm -hmm. Um, and you said it, whether it be workplace, uh, personal life, whatever it might be, women are having to make more calculated moves than men. But, mm -hmm. um, I, I'm going to throw one thing out there. This is just a thing that I had, uh, read a while back. And as far as sex, sexuality, and attractiveness. Uh, you know, we always used to think that men uh, are aroused and they're turned on and they're, they'll have sex with, you know, a, a, whatever they would consider a great-looking uh, woman. But I guess it was a study that's opposite where a man pretty much, and this is true too, I, I think, a man would pretty much have sex with any woman. Whereas the woman actually looked more at the physical being of a man, not the size, but more the physical, um, physicalness, uh, physicality of a man mm. it, to get aroused and to be attracted to, to have sex with them. Um, is that kind of sort of true? Or, or, or now are <laughs> women looking at men like, you better be in shape for us. There ain't no chance. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I try to avoid generalizations because uh, I just don't know how helpful they are when people are trying to connect on a person-to-person -person level. And also, <laughs> <laughs> I will say, um, it does feel in alignment with uh, just other species mm -hmm. where the female will be the one that is, you know, more choosy and the male does his dance and is the pretty one that has the like, pick me, pick me, yeah. you know, ritual. Um, so in a way that adds up, you know, to me, uh, and I think, yeah, just on an individual level, people, some people are choosier than others and that, you know, it goes both, both directions. Yes. Um, and also similarly, you know, what, what makes someone attracted to someone else is, you know, varies and how much the physicality piece matters, varies. Um, I put you on the spot on that one, didn't it. I? I know. <laughs> but you are handling it very well. You, you put it over to the yeah, animal thanks. kingdom and said, well, yeah. this is how they act. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. but, yeah, yeah. I suppose I just, I'm not sure what to make of it or what I would, how, how I'd say it applies or doesn't to, you know, yeah. people. Um, so, yeah. um, going back to your, uh, sacred sexuality and, um, mm -hmm. your body wise methods and all this stuff, um, is, is this a one, one shot type of deal where somebody could just get right in there? They, they take a course or they read something and like, ah, I'm all fixed. Or is it a, uh, a learned process and can it be learned relatively quick. And the reason I ask that is, you know, we, we are now all in the 
immediate satisfaction <laughs> um, mm -hmm. culture. No pun intended on that one, but we do. We, yeah. we all seem to want something right now, and we want to have it fixed. So how, uh, how does this work? It's, uh, is it a learned, studied type of thing, or can we be pretty fast on yeah, it? Yeah. There, I read something recently that, oh, man, I think it was in the book Pleasure Activism where it was mentioned where something like three – 300 repetitions make something a habit and 3000 repetitions makes it embodied something like that. I would have to go back and, and read it, but basically, uh, yeah, for, for lasting long-term change, like the deep stuff you, you really do have, you know, generally it requires a long-term commitment. Um, like I bought my first, uh, Yoni egg, Jade egg. I don't know if you know about this. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow talks about it <laughs> sometimes on her, but it's like a, a gemstone um, egg shaped rock that you can use inside of yourself to, for pelvic floor strength. And I bought the first of those like in 2017. And here I am many, many years, well, some years later, uh, really finally like things, some things are just now clicking, mm, Okay. you know? Um, and at the same time, I've had sessions with coaches, other sexuality coaches, where I'll have a breakthrough just from something that they said, and it changes the way I think about things forever. And I, so I, to answer your question, I think that sometimes a, a mental idea can shift things in a big way almost immediately like just changing the way that you think about something or, or realizing something's possible that you didn't think was possible before can have an immediate impact. But when it comes to things like um, changing your nervous system so that you can have a different kind of orgasm or becoming very skilled in emotional regulation or, uh, you know, communication in your relationship or, uh, you know, like what I was talking about, like being able to cultivate that sense of safety for yourself in sexual situations mm -hmm. that just, that just takes practice. Um, it's a skill. So, and how long it takes per person. I mean, you just never know. You just do it until it, it clicks. Okay. And that's, it's a hard thing. Cause it's really difficult to like <laughs> make guarantees with clients and things yeah. like that. Right. But um, like I said, the, the, the immediate moment, that aha moment could be immediate, meaning that it could be immediately after two months or it could be immediately after two weeks or it could be immediately after two years. But it's, mm -hmm. I, I, now I look at it as it's that moment when you realize what it is that you have to do. Um, and that's yeah. that aha, I get it. Now I get it. And then. From there, um, you're doing it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you can have like an embodied aha moment, right? Where, uh, where you feel something in your body that you hadn't felt before, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> that's what they've been talking yeah. about." Like, "Oh, that's what it is," right? Oh, gee, um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's such a cool experience. 
um because we we just are so limited by what we believe is possible and so anytime you have an experience that expands your sense of what is possible it oh i don't know it just it just makes the whole world feel more magical does that include different positions and i'm not being funny about this <laughs> although we are laughing <laughs> no, I, um, so does what include different positions? Like being able to feel things that you that, didn't know you yeah. could feel? Yes. Yep. Because there are times and there are people who feel dirty about changing up position or, mm. um, you know, the, I don't know how when, well, I guess I would see how one would be embarrassed, but they're embarrassed to try anything except for missionary, you know? It's, yeah. you know, they don't want to go one leg up and one leg down. They don't want to do, there's a lot of things that, like I said, it will introduce the way a penis feels in a woman. If you try a different position or different move, which I think would lead to that. Oh, I never felt that. Mm -hmm. That felt good. Why didn't I try this before? Um, do you get into any of that? Or, it, I mean, do you talk about it's okay to experience? and experiment in different things? Yeah, yes, absolutely. So there's uh, several different practices that are available to increase sensitivity in different parts of the body. And then also just in a more general way, um, when I work with clients, I really encourage them to notice what parts of their body they feel are off limits or taboo, and then feeling into that a bit more. Like I was working with someone um, who, you know, I was inviting her to touch all parts of herself and then it got to her anus and she was like, no, <laughs> yes, <stay away. laughs> right? like, and I think so many people feel that way. Like, no, I don't like ew, but you know, and, uh, and the fact is like, you know, I was just, um, seeing a Facebook thread in another one of my, you know, sacred sexuality groups, um, where people were talking about like how working with your anus and the energy there and the pleasure there, um, is actually so powerful because it, because of the taboo. And this is where I'm talking about the, the sexuality, spirituality piece, right? It's like, wherever you are limiting yourself, wherever you are feeling that shadow, that taboo, that not okay, that judgment, like that is where you should go probably to like explore so that you are really free enough to do whatever you want to knowing that you're doing it because, because you want to, and not because um, it's what you're supposed to do or because you're not supposed to do that other thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you explore, you know, anal pleasure and it's not for you, that's fine. But, but at least now you don't have a judgment around it. At least now, you know how you feel because you let yourself go there and you're not just carrying judgments from society or from, uh, whoever else, you know, told you for the first time that like, you know, good, good girls don't have anal or whatever it is, right? Respectable people don't do that. Um, cause that's just a belief that a person had to learn. It doesn't, um, you know, there's no inherent truth in yeah. it. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, there's, there's so much sexuality that is, again, I'm use that word taboo that we still look at things as taboo. It doesn't matter for 10 years old, 20 years old, 50 years old. There are certain things that we, we, I think, are put in our heads that are taboo and it remains with us throughout our lifetime. Um, and this course, you know, uh, sacred sexuality seems like that it'll help you get through those things, which we were taught were bad. Um, 
that's what I'm gathering out of it for me personally. Um, so it, does it help people do that? It helps break down, you know, what you were told that was taboo and perhaps it really isn't taboo. And it's okay to let that into part of your, part of your life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of the work that I do with students and clients is breaking down shame, like just dissolving shame around stuff. And that's really what to me, taboo comes down to, right? Like if you do that thing and someone were to find out, you would be like flooded with shame or you would have something to be very embarrassed about. Um, and so, yeah, it's about centering in, in your experience of what is your sexual truth and not knowing that there's no part of you, no part of your sexuality or any other part of you that you have to be like scared of and avoid that you can handle whatever it is that you find as you get curious about, you know, what makes you tick and why you do that and why, you know, this pleasure and that desire, like it's all okay. You know, you don't like, you just don't need to be ashamed of any of it. It's all fine. And that being said, you know, that doesn't make cultural shaming go away. And so in, in the work with clients and students too, it's a lot about, um, realizing like that you can, you can change your inner world and feel so much more free and so much at peace and so much more self-love and so much more connected to what is true for you and what feels good for you and your body and to know that there's nothing actually shameful about it. And it doesn't mean you have to like tell other people. <laughs> it doesn't mean you have to like, you know, to put it, to share it on social media or whatever, or like tell everybody like everything that you're no longer ashamed of. Because, you know, if you don't want to invite that criticism and those conversations from other people, you just don't have to. Yeah. And that, again, it just kind of comes down to that intention around things. Like, are you not sharing it because you are ashamed? Or are you not sharing it because you don't want to bother getting into it with someone? Mm -hmm. Like th those are very different reasons, right? For not talking about something. And, and so my goal is to help people have that, that inner confidence, that, um, that shamelessness around their own, uh, sexual truth and sexual selves so that, you know, if it were to come up somehow that they're not going to feel triggered in in shame or embarrassment because they actually don't feel that anymore. Um, but at most it's going to be like annoying to have to try to explain it to somebody <laughs> or to, you know, or to just kind of deal with, with someone else's projections. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I was going to ask you uh, if there's anything that you wanted to say in closing and that was really good, so, but I, <laughs> I, I'm going to ask though, is there one method or is there one Step. Is there one thing that you could say right now to anybody that's listening or watching uh, about sacred sexuality and how it is okay to be okay with yourself? I don't know if that makes sense. But. Mm. Yeah. I, if, if you don't already have some kind of mindfulness practice, I would recommend that as a first step. Like understanding what mindfulness is is um really the first step at least it was for me in sacred sexuality because um it's a way of getting really curious to 
what's going on for you in the present moment and especially in your body sensations. So, so many of us are very disembodied, not aware of what's going on in our own bodies, very much in our heads and very judgy of things. Like, uh, yeah, it's just everything has to be judged. <laughs> and so the more that you cultivate mindfulness, the more you relax into self-acceptance and also become aware of your body. And that's the, the real starting point for dissolving the shame around what you then discover. Like as you become more aware of your body, as you become more aware of your judgments, then, then the work begins of dissolving the shame around those things. Um, so that would be my, my first step recommendation. If you want to, if you want to explore this path, look first into mindfulness, become familiar with that, develop a practice around that. Um, and, uh, and that will be a, a beautiful tool to carry into the things like, um, using a crystal wand for de-armoring your cervix and using breath work to move sexual energy around and, you know, these other types of, of practices, because if you're not, if you don't know how to pay attention to your body and your own thoughts, you're just not going to get as much out of these other things. Awesome. I mean, yeah. all well said. And I will say that just listening to you, you definitely tell that you a you are a really good instructor when it comes to this. So um, I'm going to say oh, thank, thank you. you very much. I have enjoyed our conversation today and. Um, I'm going to have to go and think and see if there's anything that I need to fix <laughs> or be acceptance of. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>